Hello, and welcome back to The Humans of James River. I'm your host, Ireland Rogan, and you are listening to Season 2, Episode 9, and my guest is Mrs. Mosley. She is a biology teacher at James River High School, and she will be talking about her experiences as being a biracial woman um, going through CCPS as a student and now a teacher, and I hope that you all enjoy. All right. Um, well, I guess my story begins um, when I was in elementary school. Uh, my parents, uh, our first home was in Petersburg, Virginia. Um, and at that time, Petersburg was uh, not very diverse um, in terms of um, people from other places, uh, really other than you know, people being of color, African-Americans. Um, I maybe had one or two students that were uh, will classify themselves as as white um, in in my classes. Um, most of my neighborhood also, uh, you know, had people of color. Um, not really any Latinas or Asians, just mostly um, African Americans. Um, and so I attended school in Petersburg up until uh, the third grade. Um, and the summer of my third grade year, we moved to Chesterfield way out in Matorka. And Matorka was very different. Um, lots of space, lots of trees, very few people living on the street. We lived at the end of a cul-de-sac. And I recall when we moved that we knew immediately that we were the only people of color that lived on the street. And my family was not just a regular family of color. We were different because my mom and my dad are uh, in an interracial marriage. And they uh, were married in Germany in 1967 because at that time it was illegal in the United States for them to marry. So my mother joined the Peace Corps. My father had been drafted and was fighting in Vietnam and stationed in Germany. And they decided to marry uh, without friends and family. Um, I guess you could call it an elopement. Um, but they were able to return to the United States eventually once uh, the marriage was recognized by the higher courts and those illegal uh, marriages between black people and white people were now uh, considered acceptable or at least legal, not necessarily acceptable, but certainly legal. So anyway, we're in the mid to late 80s living in Chesterfield. Um, I should have gone to Matoka Elementary, but because my father was a professor at Virginia State and the archivist for the university, daycare was closer to Virginia State, and there was a daycare center in Ettrick. So Chesterfield gave my parents permission from my sister and I to go to Ettrick Elementary because our before and after school care was uh, near my father's work. So I grew up going to Ettrick Elementary, and I could say probably that the school is probably 60-40 in terms of the demographics, probably 60% black and 40% white uh, at that time. Um, it was pretty diverse. It was pretty diverse. I had a hard time fitting in, though. I did. Um, I wasn't really uh, coming from a place where people questioned who I was. I was just accepted. I was just a kid that went to school 
And when I noticed, when I, when I got to Chesterfield, everything became race. Um, kids were divided. Uh, even though teachers and adults did their very best to make everybody feel included, I never got that feeling from adults. But within the school population itself, there was division. I could not find a group of kids to settle with. The black kids didn't think I was black enough. The white kids didn't think I was white enough. Um, and really and truly, the only folks that I really had a good time getting along with were little boys <laughs> because they thought I was cute. <laughs> All right. And then that made my life even more difficult because now little girls don't like me on both sides because the little boys were giving me a lot of attention. So it was a struggle. But eventually, I ended up befriending a young girl named Angie. And Angie was the key of a reverend, and she just had a very pleasant personality. And, and she was popular. So once I had her okay, it sort of opened the door for me to, to become a part of her clique and her group, um, which included two other girls. Um, but as we continued to move to middle school, it's still very divided. Um, there was uh, a lot of tension between groups and, and individuals. And in Matoka at that time, once I'm moving in Matoka Middle, excuse me, in Matoka High School, was not as diverse as it is today. No people from Latin backgrounds, no Asian people, no Indian people. It was strictly black and white. And there was also three of us at that time who came from mixed uh, race backgrounds. Um, so... Not a lot of uh, acceptance and tolerance when it came to uh, people being different. Um, I would say that experience stayed about the same um, in terms of middle school and high school. Again, the teachers were diverse. The teachers were worldly. They were loving. Um, it was a small family, especially at Matoka at that time. There were about 600 students and everybody knew everybody. Um, and, and what was really interesting about the black population of Matoka at that time is that we were the children of people who worked at Virginia State University. Um, and we were some high flyers. Eleven African Americans from my class attended the University of Virginia. And there was only 150 of us. Okay? Um, so our salutatorian... We did have two athletes, okay, Harold Dean, because he attended Fork Union, which uh, gave him uh, a break. So he graduated the year before me, but he actually started the same year at UVA. James Ferrier uh, was also an academic, even though he was an athlete. He was a good student. Um, and then nine other strictly academic students attended the University of Virginia. We also went to William & Mary. We went to Virginia Tech. Um, but... Honestly, the strength of our class were the you know children of people who were maybe first generation college students. So we were more like second generation, really making a name for ourselves. I remember going off to UVA though at seventeen, and UVA being also not very diverse. Um, but the students of color at UVA were really good at finding ways to make ourselves feel like we were a part of a community. We had a, a place where we would congregate between classes, and we called it the BBS, 
which was the black bus stop. Uh, we also hung out at the treehouse and a couple other places like in Newcomb Hall. But one thing I can say about that time period is that the black population on campus was probably maybe 3,000, 3,000 students. Um, it, it was <laughs> not very diverse, but the feeling that we had was that we were the only people there because we would be everywhere together. We stuck together <laughs> and we, and we um, you know, made it truly an experience. As I continued through my education experiences, I ended up uh, going back to school at VCU uh, later in life. I, I had gotten married and had a daughter and separated and ended up graduating uh, from Virginia Commonwealth University as a established young adult. Um, and I worked in, you know, restaurants mostly, didn't really use my degree, um, and eventually moved into teaching, primarily because when I worked at restaurants, I was involved in training of some sort. And I was working very closely with Post and busboys and young servers, uh, kids that were high school age, and I actually related to them very, very well. And one day, one of those students looked at me and she said, Ron, you should be a teacher. You explain things so well. <laughs> and, I, and I took that to heart. And I, I credit her for really getting me to think and to consider uh, taking my degree and getting an education um, certificate and starting to teach. So I ended up getting my teaching credentials through a hybrid program. I'm a career switcher. Okay, so I went to, uh, it's called Educate VA, and it was a six-month hybrid program. Pretty much, I mean, crazy. I have a one-year-old, okay, I have a 13-year-old. I'm working nights and weekends, and during the day, my husband is helping me take care of our son so that I can literally work for eight hours, reading, writing papers, responding to things. And it happened in six months, I got a provisional license to teach. <laughs> and I had a degree in science. I passed the praxis and the VCLA and got all of those things I needed to get in order in order for me to be uh, a teacher. So I ended up teaching for the first time with no classroom experience with a provisional license. And I got hired in Charles City County. And that was a whirlwind, absolute whirlwind. If we fast forward, because this is now my third year in Chesterfield County, I have made it back home um, even though Charles City was really, really good to me. I was honored to be their division teacher of the year in 2017. Um, I grew leaps and bounds as an educator. Um, I developed relationships, learned rapport, learned how to lead, became department chair in two years. I mean, I, I just absolutely blossomed in Charles City, and they did everything they could to possibly help me uh, to be the best teacher I could be. <clears throat> but I wanted to come back to my community. I wanted to give back 
to my community. I was born and raised in Chesterfield. I still live in Chesterfield. I was commuting an hour back and forth to Charles City, but don't tell anybody I commute an hour to James River because I'm on the other end of the county, <laughs> okay? But anyway, but I am in Chesterfield and I am serving the people that are a part of my community. So I've been at James River now for three years and I can say that I am honored, honored to be a part of James River. James River helps my mind feel worked because the students challenge me. The students challenge me. There's a level of rigor and a level of inquiry and desire that come from my students that I've never experienced before. And I've only been teaching for seven years, you know, but I've seen a lot, seen a lot of kids, met a lot of kids, been through a lot. I've taught ranges of groups. I've taught middle school life science. I've taught uh, seniors and juniors and freshmen and sophomores. And I've even done summer school <laughs> with elementary age kids. So I've seen lots and lots of students. And, and, and my experiences, though, with James River have been really fantastic. What I can speak, though, about um, what I wish were a little different uh, about James River is having a sense of completion or a sense of, of wholeness in terms of the population. There are excellent people here. Excellent. Excellent students, excellent faculty, excellent administrators. Everybody does their job very well. And it goes above and beyond. But one thing I can say as a woman of color, my first faculty meeting that I walked into, and I sit down with the science department. First of all, I'm the only person of color in the science department. I'm not the only woman, which is a good thing, uh, but I am the only woman of color in our science department. Um, and one thing I can say, conversations that people of color have in private, uh, is that when you meet people finally and you and you have an opportunity to talk and to decompress and to feel like you're really more yourself and you can be yourself, the types of things we say to each other are, you know, I counted the room. You know, those types of phrases, those types of things. And I did, I counted the room. And I was one of 10. <laughs> I saw 10 faces in that crowd that looked like me. And in a way, it makes me feel proud, of course, to be able to work in an environment that is uh, very different from maybe how I choose to spend my free time, <laughs> you know. But it also makes me feel very sad because I feel like there's so many missed opportunities um, for people not to be able to expand their understanding of other groups. Okay. Um, so I like to pride myself on being uh, aware of uh, the differences in people because it's always been such a theme in my life. It's always been such a theme. Um, everything has always surrounded what I look like, where I'm from. I think the question of my life is, you know, what are you? I can't tell you how many times I've been asked that question because people's perception of who I should be changes the moment I open my mouth. They expect to hear an accent. 
they expect to hear broken English. They expect to hear, <laughs> um, you know, someone who's not confident or educated or um, just regular, <laughs> you know, I'm just regular, I'm just, just me. And I really can thank my parents for uh, them continuing to be who they are without any type of apologies. Like my mother never, ever attempted to try to be anybody other than herself, even though she had to learn so much about my father and his family and his feelings and his customs and his traditions and his experiences, because they're very different from hers. But my mother never tried to pretend to be, <laughs> you know, anybody other than uh, a white woman who has had family here for 10 generations. Okay, I mean, she's never <laughs> tried to be anybody other than that. And my father has never tried to be anybody other than a man who uh, loves learning and loves history and loves books and loves fighting for justice and equality. And my parents fought in the civil rights movement together. Uh, you know, they were in D.C. during the riots, uh, during the civil rights marches. Uh, they lived there in D.C. Um, my dad jokes that he's on the FBI blacklist. I said, oh, I doubt that, Dad. They would have came and got you by now. <laughs> you know? But anyway, so I am who I am because of my experiences. But what I can say is that the students that I have worked with at James River don't seem to be bothered by the lack of diversity. They seem to be students that are accepting, um, patient, kind. I've, I mean, in terms of my transgender students, in terms of my gay and lesbian students, in terms of uh, students from uh, you know, who are English language learners, I, what I see as, a, as an educator, as a teacher, is patience and the, the ability to uh, reach out. Um, I just think that the students would benefit quite a bit from having a little more diversity uh, in terms of the faculty and the staff. I do. I do. I do think they would. I'm not saying that we should go, you know, picking folks off and <laughs> getting rid of people because that's not going to happen. But maybe when people retire, we can have opportunities to do our best to try to make sure that we are interviewing and reaching out and looking for uh, all types of people uh, to fill those positions in the future. But I think that's my story. Um, I, I probably talked about some other things last time. Maybe maybe some questions can, can pull that rest of that stuff out because I just feel like I've missed a whole lot. <laughs> But anyway, I've been talking a long time. Well, I thought, no, I thought, no, you're good. I thought that was great. Um, and I love hearing about your parents. I think they're just, but I, I've never like met someone who has, because I've obviously heard those types of stories of, you know, love and that type of time where it's not accepted, but no, have knowing someone whose parents went through that, that's just incredible. They're, they're amazing. Oh my goodness. Um, they are. My parents are both 78, and they waited as long as they possibly could to have children because my mom says that they were waiting for the world to change. And my daddy, my daddy said, well, daddy, we're going to be waiting forever. 
So they went ahead <laughs> and they had me and my sister and they were in their late thirties, you know, um, and they waited as long as they thought they could, yeah. you know, but uh, I am very blessed to say that I have had them as parents and lived the experiences that I had. It wasn't easy. You know, it wasn't easy when my father couldn't join us at my grandparents' house for holidays. Wasn't easy. I definitely not. Um, and that's because even though my grandparents would visit my house and my sister and I were welcome to come with my mother, I just thought it was a girl's thing. I, I never knew that my grandfather would, did not allow my father in his house until my grandmother apologized after his death and said that I come from a time where you honor your husband and his wishes. And I remember her sitting on my living room couch one holiday and apologizing to my father. And at that point in history, he then could come every year. So it wasn't easy. I didn't just experience, uh, you know, issues as a young person in school from strangers. I also dealt with struggle in my own family. You know, I've, even, I've had some issues with uh, cousins. I had a cousin who married a man who posted all kinds of horrible things on social media. So I blocked him and I unfriended him. And I remember message, messaging her privately. And I think she pretty much chose his side. Luckily, they've divorced and we have come back together. Uh, but, you know, it was really tough to see people that you love and that you think love you spew such hate, you know, um, about uh, people like you, you know, just because you look a certain way or because, you know, your genetic code is got this much of a difference. <laughs> You know, and as a scientist, it's really difficult for me to accept, you know, yeah. the way people behave based off of such teeny tiny little changes, you know, between us or differences between us. Genetically. Yes, ma'am. Thank you anyway, for sharing that. Thank you. You know, that's yeah. that's I can't even imagine how hard that is. And I only sort of kind of experience I have with that. My own. Um, my aunt, when she was in high school, she's white like I am. And she did a guy who was black. And my great grandparents mm -hmm. had kind of, my grandma was 100% just like, she loved him like a son. Like she didn't care what race he was, but mm -hmm. my great grandparents mm -hmm. had more of an issue with it. Right. So I was just like, I was a little, little kid when that was happening. But I just remember, you know, she had told me like, mm -hmm. yeah, great grandma, great grandpa, we're working on them. Like they need some work. And so they, they did, they, yeah. they, worked on it but it is just it's really upsetting to hear that stuff and I'm sorry that you had to go or still do have to go through that well oh yeah I still deal mm -hmm. with with things I do um but I've learned how to deal with them you know um one thing that I think of you know the way that I look is somewhat of an advantage because believe it or not you know I can get into a room that I wouldn't normally be able to get into and I can hear, like, I remember when Obama was uh, first elected and I was working at a restaurant and I'd waiting on tables and I would just walk around, walk by. People were free to say whatever they wanted to say because they thought that I was one of them. <laughs> I 
So they would say, and I am, I am. I'm just as white as I am black. I love my mother's family. I love who I am. I, I researched my family tree. I can, you know, for goodness sakes, I've got, you know, James Madison is on my, my in my family tree. You know, I mean, <laughs> you know, I, I absolutely respect and love who I am and I'm proud to be who I am. But to hear people talk when they think no one is listening, let me tell you, it gives you an advantage and at least you know how to protect yourself. You know, it doesn't mean that you're going to respond or you're going to react, but you know what you're dealing with and you know how to keep yourself safe. And that truly to me is is almost like an advantage. <laughs> you know, I'm like a chameleon. You know, I can <laughs> I can slide in and out wherever I need to. So I kind of look at it like that. I do like the fact that I feel kind of like I can, you know, blend in in different places. And and, and if I practice in my Spanish, I could probably infiltrate <laughs> some other places too. But anyway, but anyway. Yeah. <clears throat> yes, that is definitely a good way to look at it. Um <laughs> That's very funny. <laughs> but um, <laughs> the, the next, um, the couple of questions that I have are kind of like more advice type of questions. Um, like, you know, advice mm-hmm. for you know, teachers and students, you know, as we move over, especially um, those who are people of color and the feeling like, because I know a lot of people do, especially students, um, have trouble mm-hmm. like to, Especially, okay, I'm trying to word this correctly. Um, have trouble being yeah. the, their unique selves and like finding themselves, especially if they are, you know, quote unquote, they feel like they're different than other kids um, because they're, mm-hmm. you know, a person of color because they're in the LGBTQ plus community, just because they're not like a part, like they're not in the heteronormative, like white society and the, what people, you know, it, the, that bias that people have and especially you know in our school where it is mostly white kids like statistically um do you have any advice for you know students some of those yeah. teachers even if they're not at james river um just what you say to them to help embrace themselves and a place where they might not feel like they have a place mm, that's a tough question <laughs> That's a tough question because the way I can it as a 40, almost five-year-old woman is not the way that I would see it as a 15-year-old. As a 15-year-old, I was insecure. I can't really say I truly loved myself um, because I didn't feel loved. I felt different. And people did a good job making me feel different. Luckily, I did have supportive family, but my parents were also at a place in their lives where they had accepted and they had come to terms and they had grown. And, and it takes experience. It takes time sometimes, um, especially when you do feel different. What I would say is to immerse yourself around people who are like you when you can. Um, and... At this point with COVID, we're sort of in a position where we're kind of, you know, can't really gather. Reading, watching videos about other parts of the world and other types of people, um, learning about other cultures, learning about our own past so that we understand why people feel the way they do today 
and why they may respond the way that they do today. I think it helps you to have a sense of feeling grounded and that sense of feeling grounded eventually will lead to more self-acceptance. Um, but it's a, it's a process and it's not something that's going to happen overnight. And I think that that's also important uh, for students, whether they're at James River or elsewhere, to understand that there are people out there who have lived through this, who have been through this. And there are adults that even if they haven't experienced it, they're good, empathetic people and they listen and they can be supportive. So I just suggest that, that students do their best to try to sort of think long and hard about the things that they value and the things that they find to be important and then to immerse themselves in those things and to understand that high school is such a tiny little piece of your life that there's so much more to experience. Going off to college, you're going to find people going into the military, work, going into the workforce. You're going to find people who are like you and like-minded, especially if you are working hard towards your own personal goals. You know, you're going to find those people. They're going to find you. And in the meantime, there's teachers like myself and many, many others and administrators and counselors that are here to listen. Thank you. That's some great advice. And, you know, although I am white and straight, I obviously, as just a teenager, we're all so, I hate to say it, but we are all so insecure, especially like, uh, like as I've gone older now, I'm a senior, I feel a little bit more confident in myself, but especially as a freshman, I, I didn't know, like, I just think about how I was at 14 versus I'm almost 18, just completely changed so much over high school. And when you are, you know, 14 and 15, you don't think about like how much you'll change in a couple of years. You're just like hating on yourself, self-deprecation. If you don't like, luckily at James River, we do have a lot of places for community. And that's one of the reasons why I carried on this podcast is so that I can help create that community. And I hope that, you know, students feel comfortable talking to me or to just our teachers. And cause I'm, I mean, I know myself and, I would like to say all of our teachers are extremely accepting and loving of anyone, no matter who you are. Um, that's how I feel mm -hmm. at least. And, and it's just a hard time. High school is awkward mm -hmm. and weird. Mm -hmm. <laughs> and like, it's funny because I, like I reflect on like my freshman year sure. and I'm like, Oh my gosh, <laughs> like, I was so awkward and like insecure. And it's, it, it is a lot of growing. And when you're in that place, mm -hmm. you don't think about like, you're going, going into high school or workforce or trade school, wherever you're going afterwards, how much your life will change and how much you're going to grow and hopefully feel more confident and find your people because everyone has their people somewhere. Mm -hmm. Like you will have community wherever you go. And if you don't, like that's why we also have the opportunity to start clubs. Like you can start stuff that you're interested in. And like, you know, I also talked with Mrs. Hewlett and I kind of mentioned this, um, with like learning about different cultures, like I'm constantly trying to educate myself. That's also one of the reasons why I want to take on this project because it helps me educate myself on different communities that I'm not a part of, but I want to embrace and love. And yeah, I just think, you know, we have, um, we have the culture club, we have, um, we have international night, which will look a little bit different this year, but you know, my two good friends, Stephanie Chavez, Emmanuel Ogambade, shout out. Their capstone is going to be awesome. And just embracing cultures, finding where you are and all that. I just think 
that was definitely some really great advice for just anyone at any school, any age, really, because people struggle with that all the time. Sorry, I just went on for a little while, <laughs> but yeah, no, no, you're fine. And you know what? Forgive me for not mentioning the Minority oh, yes, Achievement yes. Club, yes. which is at Jane River and that I am sponsoring. I can't take credit for creating it, but Miss Costello has handed okay. it to me with trust and, and faith. And I'm doing my best uh, to continue to, uh, you know, build on the Minority Achievement Club. But the cool thing about Mac is that it's not just for minorities. It's for anybody, anybody mm-hmm. and everybody. So people who are looking to expand their understanding and to embrace other people and cultures. And, you know, even though you may not consider yourself to be a minority because you're white and heterosexual and et cetera, et cetera, you're a woman. And believe it or not, women are still sort of considered to be, you know, not necessarily substandard. You know, we've got to, (laughs) oh my, you know, but we are still working very, very hard to be considered fully Mm -hmm. equal, okay, in terms of pay, in terms of respect, in terms of opportunity, in terms of lots of things. And there are lots of women out there, even white women, who have to deal with those challenges, okay? I mean, my mother was the first woman in her family to get a college degree. And I can assure you that when she first entered the workforce, she wasn't making the money that her brother (laughs) was making with less education than she had. I assure you. Okay. And those things are still, we're still working on those things. So please let me make sure we shout out Mac and tell folks that. Yes. And I'll, yes, I'll put your Mm -hmm. um, email too. If anyone, any students listening are interested, email her, you can get involved. Are you guys doing just asking, what are you, what's going on right now during COVID with the club? Well, um, not much right now, even though we did have um, when we did the uh, coaches and clubs corner at the beginning of the year, virtually um, we did. We do have an executive board um, and I need to organize a meeting. Thank you for reminding me. But there's so much going on. I need to go ahead and get a meeting organized on Wednesday and get with my exec board and then start moving towards. I know in the spring we're going to do our very best to continue on minds and majors which is something that we have done uh, for several years. We missed it last year because we were uh, on lockdown. But yeah. Minds and Majors, we're going to try to do a virtual, if, if we're not allowed to do it in person, uh, where we would bring in specific um, universities with specific degrees. So, so you say you know, Virginia Tech or UVA, but it would be something that they may be known for, something they're trying to recruit minorities and people of color. Maybe they have scholarships and, uh, and other award programs. And we had it, we held it in the library in the past. Um, but George Mason, Radford, a bunch of different universities from the area. We did try to plan some college uh, trips also, some university um, tours, but all of that got, we, we were in the process of creating all of those things and putting that stuff together. That's the type of stuff we normally do. We help with financial aid and application processes. Maybe we can do something virtual with counseling um, and we can have a, a big uh, Zoom. We'll probably have to borrow Dr. Volker's uh, Zoom. Yeah. I think that's what we, with the NHS meeting, I 
eventually mm-hmm. talked to Miss Mullis, and that's why I understood why Mr. Turpin said Dr. Volker. But I thought it was just like glitching out, and mm-hmm. I was so confused. I was like, is Miss Volker here? I yeah, mean, I'm because it's in her name. Yeah, yeah I thought that was really funny. Name, so, in order for us to meet, that's the only yeah. way we can have faculty meetings because we can't have a um, hundred plus people yeah. in a meet. So, in order for us to have faculty meetings, the school had to purchase a Zoom account for us. <laughs> so that's how that works. That's funny. Well, that's good. That sounds like you guys definitely have some good stuff in the works. And clubs have definitely been super hard with COVID. Knowing from being clubs, and I'm you know just involved, and it, it's definitely hard. But that sounds very exciting. So, anyone listening who's interested in getting involved, email her and. Yeah, it sounds awesome. And the last question or advicey question I kind of have is you were mentioning how you switched your career, like in in your college experience. Um, and I know plenty of people who are now out of college who did that, but I know plenty of kids who are also seniors who don't really know what they want to do like at all. So they're going to go into college undecided. But do you have any advice for people who are maybe afraid of making that switch or like afraid that when they go into college, they're going to have to switch or, cause I know that is a very scary feeling. Um, so any advice for those um, kids? Yeah, I, I don't know if I'm the best person. Okay. Because here I am again, having a degree for a long period of time, but I was so fearful of change and so fearful of stepping out on my own and trusting and having faith in my own ability <laughs> that it took me forever. And I finally You know, I think that it's okay to not know exactly what you want to do. I think that the best way, especially if you're going off into college and you're undecided, is to take lots of introductory courses, 100, 100 level courses to sort of get exposed to philosophy or psychiatry or, um, you know, religion and ethics or whatever it is, communication, you know. But if you have a feeling I think that the another thing you should do is sort of think about planning your career around your passion because your job, it will be a job if you don't choose something that you really love and that you're interested in. And that is one reason why I can tell you every single day I, I am happy to get up and to do what I do because I don't think of it as a job. It's not a job, uh, even though it's work. Don't get me wrong. I work harder probably than I should. <laughs> okay. Um, and it takes away from some other things. You got to try to find balance. But for sure, if like I always knew I was a scientist. I have wanted to be every science uh, field person. I started with astronaut, but then Challenger blew up. That was wrong. That, that changed my mind. Um, and if I didn't get motion sickness, I probably still would have pushed through with the astronaut thing. I love space. Love it. Then it was paleontologist, archaeologist, anthropologist, sort of stuck in that field when I was at UVA. I was majoring in anthropology. But I took those courses when I went to VCU and turned it into a minor um, because I had so much. So I've minored in anthropology. I minored in chemistry. But science has always been my thing. I got into forensics, into forensic science. That's what I graduated with a bachelor's of science in. But you see, I'm still in the science theme, right? It's still science. So find a passion, something that you truly love. 
um, and, and understand that today education isn't necessarily always the answer, even though I think education is one of the best gifts you can give yourself because no one can take that from you. And I think that it does help to prepare you for the world. And I think that it can prepare you to be a business owner. It can prepare you to be a parent. It can prepare you to be uh, an active member of society. But education isn't always necessarily, at least like a structured degree. Okay. Sometimes it's about um, finding a skill or a trade or um, an apprenticeship, learning under someone, practicing, doing it. Okay, so there are lots of ways, right? You know, so college isn't always, a four-year university isn't always the answer for everybody. But go with something you love. And if you're not quite sure, expose yourself to as much as you possibly can because chances are something's going to settle. You know, you're going to wake up and have an aha moment and go, that's it. That's what I love. The things, you know, I would find myself reading about ancient, you know, Egypt and, <laughs> you know, um, the, the new dinosaur that had been discovered. That Those are still my passions and my love. Space, I'm constantly reading about new discoveries. Anything science related, honestly, you know, science is my thing. But I've always been that way. But hopefully, hopefully folks sort of have a feeling you know, about about the things that they love and the, the direction they want to go. But there's plenty of time, too, I guess, is the only other advice I have. You know, if I can start a career at 38, 37, yeah, 37, 38, then, and I'm, and I'm still moving towards, I'm not finished yet. I'm thinking about getting a Ph.D., it's going to take me 10 years <laughs> because I'm working as a teacher, but I think that's where I want to head. And I'm still thinking, I'm still, I'm, I'm not a spring chicken, but you, there's not a hole dug for me anywhere yet either. So <laughs> I'm doing my best to continue to grow and to learn and to uh, better myself, even at this stage in my life. All right. And I guess that's it. Yeah, well, that's awesome. I, I know you mentioned to me before that you were moving towards a PhD, which is just so cool and amazing and such like an exciting opportunity. Definitely challenging, but, you know, yeah. it's good to challenge yourself and it's fun and that's what keeps life interesting. And I Absolutely. love what you said about, you know, pick, yeah, pick a career that doesn't feel like a job, that doesn't feel like, oh, I have to go to work like you're excited to do to get up and go and because there's so many people that dread work and hate their job mm -hmm. so you know something that I sort of went through is since I was like in second grade I knew I wanted to be a teacher and I had said that mm -hmm. since I was so little and then around like eighth or ninth grade you know people would tell me well teachers don't make enough money you're not going to make any and so then they got into my head and I was like should I change what I want to do and like I was like overthinking it and then I was like maybe I'll be a psychologist because then I could still work with kids and blah, blah, blah. But then junior year, I was like, no, like this is my passion. And it's because of the teeth. Like I had, you know, I had Mr. Schumacher, I had Mr. Domacy, all of these amazing people who I was like, that's what I want to help change people's lives. Like they've changed mine. And I was like, this is what I need to Absolutely. do no matter what, like, I don't care. This will make me happy. Um, and I, you know, that's what I'm going to do. That's what I'm going to college to study elementary education. And that's, I want to, be a principal one day. Like I have 
Thank you. <laughs> so like, I just, I'm proud of you. Yeah, I just totally agree. Thank you. Thank you. And so obviously I'm not at the position to give advice, but I would say the same thing. Like I almost didn't follow my passion because of money. Who cares oh, about money? Money. So you care. Don't, don't not care about money, but what you do is you fight and you advocate yes. for yourself and for your job and for your career. Teachers have voices. Mm-hmm. Okay. And we're going to continue to work to get teachers the level of respect that they deserve in this country. Mm-hmm. And I can tell you, I took a pay cut as a waitress to become a teacher. But in six or seven years, I've doubled my salary. Okay. And that's because there has been a change in the way that people are starting mm-hmm. to perceive the field of education. Education has to continue to be. Presented to people in a way that it is valued. Otherwise, we're not going to get that respect that we deserve. But what you're doing helps. Mm-hmm. And you're not even in the field yet. Do you see? You're already helping. You're already helping. Okay? I commend Thank you. you, Ireland. I, I do. I commend you for this. I think Thank that this you. is a fantastic, um, you know, opportunity an idea that you have, and I'm thankful that you have invited me to be a part of it. I, I truly do appreciate it. I hope that you and I both will help some folks out there to have a better understanding of lots of things. Lots of things. Yes, ma'am. Yeah, and I thank you for coming out here talking talking with me. Like you are such an amazing person. I just want to say that. You really are very inspirational, and I really have enjoyed getting to know you and talking with you. And just for you to take the time out of your obviously busy schedule with everything yes. happening um, to just talk with me, it really does mean a lot. Um, and I thank you a lot for that. All right, guys, I hope you all enjoyed this episode of the podcast as much as I did with Mrs. Mosley. Um, I think we can all agree that she is just an incredible woman and educator, and I'm so lucky that I got to sit down with her because um, I had never had her as a teacher, but she's so interesting, and I definitely learned a lot from her um, in the time that we were working on this episode, so I'm just so excited for you all to listen to it, and I really hope that you also learned a lot from it. Um, just as a, rem- a reminder, um, you can go follow the podcast on Instagram at Humans of JR Pod or give us a like on Facebook, also at Humans of JR Pod. Um, we also have a GoFundMe page, um, obviously a website if you're listening it. You might be listening to this episode through the website, but if you haven't checked it out, it's www.humansofjamesover.com. If you're interested in being on the podcast, please feel free to DM me or email me, um, humansofjamesover at gmail.com. I want to hear from you. Your voice is important and you are loved. And I want to make sure you all know that. Or if you just need to talk, you can always just hit me up. Um, and yeah. Oh, also, can't forget, you guys can also give us some feedback um, on Apple Podcasts. If you use that platform to listen to the podcast, um, give us a rate and a review if you feel obliged to do so. Um, yeah, happy new year. Oh my gosh, this is the first episode since it's been 2021. That's so exciting. Well, I hope you guys all have had a great start to your new year and I look forward to talking with you again. Bye.